good to see everyone out this morning, especially good to see our visitors. It's good to see Bruce back with us this morning. Uh, it's a beautiful day, and we're going to continue our study in 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> we're going to pick up where we left off in chapter 4 and hopefully get through most of chapter 5 um, this morning. So last, last week... Uh, we got in towards the latter part of, of chapter 4, uh, and we looked at that idea of the earth, earthen vessels, uh, the physical vessels b delivering God's word to the people <clears throat> through, through Paul, through the apostles, through the Spirit, um, and how that earthen vessel further showed the weakness of our vessel, the weakness of, of the flesh further showed the power of God to deliver his will, to deliver his word through that vessel. We talked briefly about um, how Paul had endured much. Um, he was hard-pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. And so you, we saw and talked briefly about all of these things that Paul endured in order to continue to spread the word and in order to continue win, to win souls um, for the kingdom. Um, you think about, we talked briefly about Philippians chapter 1, Paul saying, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so that idea and that, that um, heart where we desire heaven, and that's where we're going to continue on this week, is looking forward to our, our ultimate goal and the importance of keeping our focus there. Um, and that was Paul's statement in, in Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to win souls to Christ, to increase the kingdom, but to die is gain. Uh, his, his goal was heaven. Uh, and we talked as we endure some of these difficulties in our life or any difficulties in our life, God has promised he'll never fail or forsake us. Uh, so does that mean we're going to have a good life and everything's going to be rosy? Well, no. No, but he's going to be with us, and that should also increase our hope and increase our, our confidence and increase our ability to bear through these difficulties. <clears throat> so I want to pick up kind of in the latter part of, of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, I thought we would start off as we have. Um, I'd like to start off reading in verse 11 and read through uh, chapter 5, about verse 5, uh, continue the thought in, in chapter 5. Of, of the topic that ends chapter 4. So beginning in verse 11 of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to the death, to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe, therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, 
We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. So we pick up, um, like I said, where we left off, I think, in continuing that thought um, around Paul's confidence and, and should increase our confidence in the Lord. Um, in, in verses uh, 13 and following, um, in verse 13, we read, at least in my Bible, I believe, therefore, I spoke is all in capital letters, which, um, you know, obviously, at least for my Bible, means that it's, it's a quotation from um, a, another passage in all likelihood in this, in the New Testament, a quotation from the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 116, most attribute this, uh, that passage where this is coming from. And it's interesting if you look back at that psalm, it's a psalm of great affliction, uh, but it's a, a psalm of deliverance where the, the writer proclaims his confidence in the Lord and, and attributes that, that deliverance to the Lord, the Lord who saved him. And so I think you, you think about that whole idea and that tie into what we're talking about, afflicted and, uh, but not crushed, persecuted but not despairing, um, I mean persecuted but not forsaken, uh, struck down but not destroyed. You think about those ideas leading into this, this thought and this quotation from the Psalm, that confidence in the Lord that he's going to, to take care of us. Even if we are, I mean, struck down, and, and physically destroyed, we know spiritually he's going to take care of us if we remain faithful. Um, and so, again, we, th we see that confidence in Paul, and it should increase our confidence in the Lord as we bear through difficulties and bear through trials. Um, uh, and I think in these passages, uh, what verse, verse 14, um, and we'll refer back to this, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. And so that, again, should increase our confidence. Um, he, he, God raised Jesus from the dead, and, and in turn, we have that hope of eternal life. Through Jesus, we have that hope of eternal life. And so it should increase our faith. Should, it should allow us to continue to have that faith and that hope regardless of what we face in this life. So continuing on in verses 16, 17, and 18, I want to read those again. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory for far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So again, here we see the outward man decaying, the outward man failing. Um, and you think about what we all know as we get older, uh, the flesh grows old, uh, the pain and the difficulties start coming. And I know there are many of y'all that will say I'm not that old out there, but I was joking with John. I was like, I woke up in, in my hands 
were hurting, and I have no idea why. It's like I went to sleep and they weren't hurting, and I woke up and they are hurting. And so as you start getting older, the pain starts coming for absolutely no reason. And I'm starting to experience that a little bit. So the flesh, the physical nature, we decay. But this passage tells us even as the body decays, we can continue to be renewed. And so we can continue to grow spiritually. We can continue to be refreshed spiritually. And again, thinking about, again, in the context of what what Paul is sharing with us, all of these difficulties physically he was facing, all of these, these trials and this pain that he faced, he was continuing to be renewed. And so how was that? Obviously, it's through the Word, through through the Spirit, through through God. Um, you know, when we think about how can we do that, how can we do that? Well, I think some of it is coming like we are here, uh, being renewed and encouraged and, and edified by each other. But but more importantly, it's through the Word. It's the same way Paul was, uh, through looking to the Word, through studying the Word, through prayer. Uh, through through having that relationship with God, um, you know, you think about all of the craziness that's going on in this world right now. It's very easy to get very depressed and say it's all bad. Um, I was just at a conference last week, and from our industry standpoint, it was like one presentation after another that it's like, okay, where's the positive? Is there any positive that's coming? Um, so it's easy to get that attitude. But if our focus is on heaven, if our focus is on living that faithful life uh, and that relationship with God, then we're able to be renewed. Even in the face of all of this pain and suffering and negativity that is in our world today, uh, we're able to, be, to have that renewal. Um, and, and on top of that, Again, going back to the passage, verse 17, momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. And then in verse 18, we look at things which are seen. Uh, We look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that whole temporal versus eternal, um, I think it's, it's... it should be a challenge for us. The um, light afflictions, if you can grab a mic and run back there. Um, he says, a momentary and light affliction. Again, I, I kind of chuckle at that because you consider what all Paul has endured. Uh, you look at, we can look forward to 2 Corinthians 11, but, but all of these preceding persecuted, uh, struck down, uh, he's stoned, he's shipwrecked, and we can, we can go on and on. And he's, he says that's, Momentary and light affliction. So from a physical standpoint, is that a momentary and light affliction? Well, no. But in comparison to, to heaven and in comparison to eternity and in comparison to, to where his focus was and where our focus should be, it is momentary and light. Uh, you know, we're here probably for 100 years at most. Um, compared to eternity, that's, that is momentary. That is just a, you know, a hiccup in essence. Um, and again, not to minimize difficulties that people endure, but, um, you know, when we think about what Paul endured and was enduring for the word and for, to expand the kingdom, he said it's light affliction. And so again, as we face similar difficulties or other difficulties in life, I think it's, 
it should be an encouragement to us to, to see how he viewed things and, and how we should view things. I just wanted to say, um, it goes back to um, what the scripture says, what gaineth the man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul. Um, Paul, Paul, before he became a Christian, he had probably every worldly thing he could imagine to him, but he was not saved. And Paul one time said in one of his uh, apostles that it was like dung, that um, that his his afflictions were were light compared to what eternity was going to be, and um, just like Paul Paul suffered, we suffer maybe not the same way, but we suffer with our bodies getting older and. Our minds maybe not work in the same way, but we um, we can take uh, encouragement in seeing that the apostles went through it, Christ went through it, other other Christians went through it. They suffered for the gospel, and they had uh, enough enough faith to make it through to the finish line, and we can too. And so in, in wrapping up uh, chapter 4, um, I think verse 18, in my, in my mind, verse 1 in chapter 4 and verse 18 kind of bookend this idea. We look at things not, uh, which are not seen. Uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong again. We look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. And you look back to verse 1, therefore, since we have this ministry... Um, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. So I think that looking at the things which are unseen is why he doesn't lose heart, uh, why he doesn't lose hope as he faces these difficulties. Um, think about several passages, uh, Colossians uh, 3, where we set our minds on things which are above. That's where, where our focus needs to be on, not on perishable things, not on the things that rust and decay, not on the flesh, which, which hurts and, and fails, uh, but focus on things that are above. Um, and, and you think back to, in fact, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter, one, uh, chapter 11 real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, um, and look at a couple of verses here that talk about faith. And I think it's passages that we're all going to be very familiar with. But Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 1 reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Again, that idea of not seeing. If we skip down, though, to verse 13, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. Um, so this passage talks about all of these, these I guess, the... the um, hall of fame of faith um, and ends in verse 13 they all died without having received the promise the promise of of christ having seen that promise fulfilled the promise that was to abraham and to others in the old testament but they saw them uh, and welcomed them from a distance and so again i think as we're thinking about this passage we have that hope you know we've seen the fulfillment of the promise in christ or we see it in the scriptures but as we, as we bear through these difficulties in life, 
um, we see that hope of heaven. We see that hope of eternity. We see that hope um, of, of time with no, with no sorrow, with no pain. Um, and I think the last thing that, we'll, that I'll, I'll think about in verse 13, they viewed themselves as strangers and exiles on the earth. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Strangers and exiles, do we view the same thing? Where, where this is not... This is not the permanence. This is not our goal. I think about, you know, the strangers and exiles. I think about a wanderer almost. Do we view ourselves as wanderers on this earth where this isn't where, this isn't the end goal. This isn't, this isn't the end of my journey. This is, this is just um, part of the journey. Um, this is the things that we're enduring and, and bearing through should be leading us and our focus should be our end goal being heaven. You know, are we those strangers and wanderers? And I think it, it dovetails in my mind to this beginning of chapter five as far as talking about a tent and, and using that analogy to, to what we're dealing with now, what Paul was dealing with and what he's encouraging us uh, as far as how we should look at um, this earthly body. But before I transition into chapter five, I wanted to see if, take a pause and see if there were any comments or questions. Um, John? I think uh, he encapsulated the thoughts you're talking about here and what he said in chapter four in his second letter to Timothy. Remember then he was in prison about to lose his life. Mm -hmm. Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he said, the reason I'm suffering these things is because I preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. But he said, I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So while he was willing to suffer those things was he believed the promise that God had made and was confident that he would keep that promise. Yep. And so these sufferings then he could consider as just being light and, and momentary, but it couldn't compare to the reward. Yeah, and then I think also back to verse 12, death works in us, but life in you. And so we're dying, we're enduring all these difficulties to your first point, but it's so that, that you have life, so that you, you understand the message and you understand what, it's, what you're going to need to do in order to, to have that hope. And have that. Another thing played into it as well. Verse 14 of chapter 40 talks about the love of Christ. Yep. yep. That constrained him to do these things yeah. as well. Um, so we're going to get into that, um, I think, in the next chapter a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. The difficulty, I think, in a lot of this is this is a concept that's difficult to even grasp that mm -hmm. there is a spiritual life beyond this human life. Even for us today, I think we deal with that. We live like this, but the concept that God has created something far beyond this. We deal with the realities of today and trying to convince even other people about a spiritual life beyond and how God has provided all those things. I think that's, that's the part that's nice to hear and read here and like mm -hmm. this, but it's also one of those concepts that's hard to even understand in some ways because it's so far beyond us. Yeah. And, and I... To add to that, I would suggest it's even harder for us in this country, you know, when everything's easy, uh, when even when we have pain, I can pop some Advil or I can go to the doctor and get, get a pill that fixes it or I can, I can um, 
you know, we're just so blessed here physically. It's, I, I think when I, you get, most of y'all know that we do some studies with the group in the Philippines and you see what they deal with physically. And they deal with not just occasionally, but regularly. And the, the, um, the lack there, I have to wonder whether it's more difficult for us sometimes because we, we rely too much on ourselves. We rely too much on, on me and what I can do and less on God. Um, but I, I couldn't agree more with you. Glance up and make sure I wasn't missing somebody. Appreciate your comments. Let's continue on in chapter five. Um, we already read the first five verses because I think it ties in very closely to, to these verses that end chapter four. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a house, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. So again, we see this, this comparison of an earthly versus a spiritual uh, part of us. Uh, the earthly, this house made, um, uh, this temporary house, this tent, compared to this house not made with hands. Um, I think about the earthly tent, and, and I think probably pops into most people's mind this idea of the tabernacle. And in fact, some versions, I think the, new, the, the King James in, um, in verse um, 1 says tabernacle. It's written as tabernacle. So you think about the Old Testament tabernacle. It was a tent, uh, a temporary structure that would be picked up and carried with the children of Israel as they moved. It didn't have the permanence of the temple. Now, granted, the temple even was torn down. Um, but I think that analogy as far as the temporariness of a tent, of a tent um, shows kind of the fragile nature of us, the fragile nature of our flesh, the temporary nature of our flesh. You know, we do some camping with the boys. Um, and invariably, when we've got a group of, of scouts out there, somebody's going to punch a hole in their tent. Somebody's tent's going to leak. Somebody's tent's going to let bugs in. Um, and so you think about that analogy, you know, this, this tent that we're in is going to leak. This tent that we're in is going to get holes punched in it. Um, and we should be longing for that tent, that body that's not made with hands, that's imperishable. Um, let's see if I, I got behind on my slides. Um, so it, I wanted us to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 for a second. Um, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Again, similar, similar statement to what we looked at, I think, in the last verse. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. So again, that idea of aliens and strangers, um, that temporariness of our, our visit on this earth, um, are we viewing... Are we viewing our lives with this temporariness? Are we holding on too closely, too tightly to 
to our physical strength or our physical things. Um, it's not going to last forever. I think about Romans chapter 8, we groan, um, similar sentiment to what we're seeing here compared to this tent. Um, we groan, we desire, we long to be clothed with that permanence. Um, earnestly in verses 2 through 4, earnestly desiring uh, heaven, earnestly desiring that eternal, eternal body. Um, I think about... Um, Think about multiple passages that speak to this idea. Um, we looked at in First uh, Peter chapter two, but in chapter one, verses three through five, looking towards that inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, which will not fade away, that's reserved for us in heaven. Uh, so we should be looking forward to that changed body. Again, going back, and I, I think back to to. Um, to chapter 4, verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord will raise us also, will raise us to be clothed in that eternal body, in that permanent body that, that's not a tent, that's not fragile, that's not fading, that's not getting holes punched in it, that's not leaking. Um, one where we can, we are eternal, where we will be in the presence of God and the, the glory that's his. Um, and in verse 5, um, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. So he gave us the Spirit as a, as a promise. Um, the Spirit is given the Word, or the, we're given the Word through the Spirit that shows us the fulfillment of the past promises of the Old Testament, the, the past promises that were laid out leading up to Christ, but then also gives us the promises that we're discussing now and should, again, build our confidence. Uh, God is not slack when it comes to his promises. He's going to fulfill his promises, and we should have that same commitment as we look. Again, going back to the passage we looked at in Hebrews, you see these, these um, the all-stars of faith. They looked forward to that promise. They didn't see it. It was, you know, in some cases, thousands of years after their life, but they knew it would happen. Do we have that same belief, that same confidence? Again, the scriptures, the spirit through the scriptures shows us those things, and we should increase and have confidence that God will fulfill these promises, that we will, be, we will rise again, that we will be clothed with this eternal body. Um, and I think about... James chapter 1, um, you know, if we persevere in trial, we'll receive that promised crown. If we persevere and remain faithful, we'll receive that promised crown. So I'm going to pause here uh, before I continue on. It's, it's, again, the same idea continuing, but I think it's a good place to pause and see if anybody has comments or questions before we move on because I do want to finish reading this as we've done uh, in its entirety through the end of the chapter. Okay, very good. So let's pick up, let's read verses 6 through the end of the chapter, 6 through 21, please, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, always being of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also, 
We have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. Now all things, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, Going back, verse 6, therefore being of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, going back to that confidence that Paul had and should increase our confidence. Uh, walking by faith, not by sight. Um, you, know, you think about, I think about multiple passages. And again, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that hope of the resurrection, that hope that was given to us through, through Christ. Um, it's, they walk, we walk, he walked by faith, not by sight. I wrote up there, it's not a blind faith. It's not a blind faith that we're just hoping. And I think back to some of the things that, that Leland preached recently in one of his lessons. It's, it's a hope, it's a, a faith that's based on knowledge, that's based on evidence, um, that's based on reason. Uh, you look to the scriptures and, and um, you think about multiple passages. Um, again, going back to Hebrews chapter 11, certainty of things hoped for, proof of things not seen, as one version might say. Um, and so through this, we should trust in God and his path, even when the world doesn't make sense, even when the world is throwing the things that Paul described in verse in chapter fourteen, uh, chapter four, um, persecution, you know, stonings, all of these things, uh, even when the world doesn't make sense and the world is pretty much throwing everything at us, when Satan is throwing everything at us, um, we should have that hope. And again, it's not a blind hope; it's not a blind faith. Um, it's it's a faith that's not based on sight, physical sight 
but based on what we know has happened historically, fulfillment of the prophecies in the Old Testament, uh, but what we see in this, in this new word. Appreciate you pointing out that the certainty of our hope. Just to connect that to something you had read uh, just a moment ago, there, um, in in verse five, speaking of the Spirit as a pledge, you're absolutely right to point out it's this idea. You know, there's a promise in that, and it shouldn't be missed. Also, that if you call it a pledge, it's something that we would call it a down payment. It just kind of in plain terms. And uh, Romans uh, 8 speaks to that in, in verse 11, um, among other verses. Um, he says there in the same way, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which is what Paul affirms here in 2 Corinthians, absolutely, this is being given to you as a pledge. So if that spirit uh, dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. So there's a confident uh, assurance of that promise that he's granting, uh, and it's, it's life through his spirit who uh, dwells in you. So just thought I'd maybe help connect some of those things that you'd read. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and again, this, I think it's a great point. Again, and back to the focus of, I think, these chapters is that confidence that we should have, and it should increase our faith. Again, especially in times of difficulty, in times of trial, um, again, it's not a blind faith. It's, a, it's one that's based on promises that are being fulfilled. It's based on a commitment that God has made to us um, if we're faithful. So very good point. Thank you. Um, and it goes on, um, I think, in, if we look at verses 8 through 10, um, for we walk, walk by faith, not by sight, verse 7 we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also, we have our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing. And I think back to um, some of the comments that John, John made as far as the love of God. It's, 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 not, it's not just God's love, Christ's love for us, but it's, it's how we should view this also. It's not... Um, Again, it's not a, a dead faith. It's a faith that's active. It's a faith that's living. Uh, it's a faith that, that should be working. It wasn't like Paul said here, okay, I have faith. Um, and, and I look back at the scriptures. It's not a blind faith. It's not a blind commitment. That's all I got to do. Um, there's many in our world that will say those things. But here in these verses, it shows us it's not a dead faith. Um, in verse 9, to be pleasing to him. So I think that's us individually living the life that we need to live. But I think it's also, again, the example that Paul gave, doing the work. You think about preferring to be present with the Lord. These, these verses are telling us preferring to be in heaven, but realizing that, that there's work to be done. And to be content and to be busy when that, with that work in this world. Uh, so whatever difficulties we face, whatever trials we face, whatever pain we face can mirror Paul's outlook, uh, mirror Paul's look, and not only to remain faithful, to remain confident, but also to remain busy doing the work of the Father. Um, so again, we can use that same sentiment to, to, to live um, is for the Lord, to die is for gain. 
uh, passage we looked at. Um, so again, uh, and then, then kind of ending this thought, why, why is that? I mean, so obviously because of the love of God, because of the love of Christ, but also as these verses tell us, there will be a judgment. You know, we will be judged according to our deeds. Our deeds will be laid open. You know, the book of life, you think about that, what we've done, good or bad, is going to be judged uh, by the Son in, in, in the final uh, time. Um, you know, so we can, we can be justified by our faith. We can, we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or we can hear, depart from me. And it all depends on how we live in this life. You know, are we bearing through these difficulties? Are we maintaining our hope? Are we maintaining that focus on heaven? And as Paul said, I think John referenced in Timothy, I've run the race, I've kept the faith. Are we running the race like we should? Are we spreading the word as we should? Again, the example of Paul here. It's not just about me. It's not just about my race. It's about trying to pull as many people along with me as I can. Yes, I need to remain faithful, but you look to the example of Paul as he's enduring all these things and as he's running his race, was he, was he solo out there? He was helping others come to Christ. He was shedding light on others. So um, again, I think this whole idea ties in, obviously, it's a letter, uh, with all of the thoughts that we've had in the preceding chapter. So I want to pause here and kind of continue on. Um, if there are any comments or questions? Um, okay, verse, verse 11 Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we were made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience. We are not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are of sound mind, it is for you. So I think Paul here in these verses are kind of taking it aside and potentially going back and in, in defending himself again. Um, that's kind of the way I read it, um, that idea of commending himself um, so that they would have an answer. So I, I think rather than commending, I think defending himself and his actions so that they might have an answer for those, those detractors that are coming and trying to steer the church at Corinth away. For if we were beside ourselves, and so I, I, again, reading in between the lines, I think that there's some accusation maybe that, you know, Paul is out of his mind what he's saying. Well, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. Uh, and again, I think you see a little bit of sarcasm here. But if we are of sound mind, it is for you. So um, regardless of what he does, regardless of what they say as in opposition to him, he's doing it for them. He's doing it for God. He's doing it to increase that the kingdom. Um, and he's motivated by, kind of back to the point that, that John had, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. He's motivated by that love of Christ. He's motivated by that desire to serve the kingdom and to serve God. Christ died for all and Paul lives for him. I think I'm behind on my slides again. Um, you know, think about Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, um, the, the fear 
um, that 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 um, some may have as they face the difficulties in this life. Um, that's not what we should be afraid of. We should be afraid of the one um, who can destroy the soul. Uh, we should be motivated by that love of Christ. He died for us. We should live for him. Um, through his death, he fulfilled that, the demand um, of, of a sacrifice to purify us. His blood provided that perfect sacrifice. We were dead in our sins. Paul was dead in his sins under the old law. Um, but through, through Christ's blood, we gain that mercy. We gain that grace. We gain that way of forgiveness. Um, but... You know, going back to some of the preceding verses in, in although that, that mercy, that grace is, is for everyone, is universal, doesn't mean everyone's going to come in contact with it. Doesn't mean everyone's going to, to do what they're supposed to, be obedient. Um, there are those in the day of judgment that their deeds are going to be judged um, negatively. Uh, we need to work and make sure that we are obedient uh, because of the fear of the Lord, because of our love of Christ, work to ensure that we're hearing well done, good and faithful servant in, in the day of judgment. And so how do we do that? Um, verse 17 talks about a uh, new creation. Um, um, if, let's begin in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, and the new things have come. And so through Christ, uh, through our obedience, through our change in life, we should become that new creature. Um, no longer living for self, no longer living for my fleshly desires or any fleshly desires, no longer letting that flesh rule. We should put off the old man and put on the new man. And so obviously I'm paraphrasing multiple passages there that speak to the same topic. Uh, Romans chapter six, um, those who are baptized into Christ are raised to walk in newness of life. Uh, and so that's how we need to be approaching these situations, but, but as we transition from the world into Christ's kingdom, as we work to continue, going back to where we started our class today, renewing ourselves. I think back to that topic in, in relation to this is that continued work to renew ourselves. Doesn't matter how long we live in this world. Doesn't matter how long um, God gives us, regardless of whether we're 18 or whether we're 98, we need to continue to work to renew ourselves and continue to be that new creation from the start to the end of our walk with Christ, um, not living for self. And so I'm going to pause here again for a second and see if we have any questions or comments. I know I'm scooting through this kind of quickly, um, trying to get caught up a little bit. Um, on the idea of not living for self, but living for Christ, um, sometimes 
like in today's society, we're taught that what makes me feel good is what I'm supposed to do, or what what makes me happy is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm sure um, Paul didn't feel good when he got persecuted for Christ or anything like that. So, um, so despite the fact that it might feel good, it, it still may not be the right thing to do. So you just got to learn the difference in a religion that's a feel-good religion and a religion that is uh, Christ-based and, and has um, come from the Word of God. Yep. And so we're going to pick up, or we're going to stop right here, but we're going to pick up in verse 18. And so this new creature we've read about, this new creation uh, in verse 17, you're going to see Paul ending this chapter talking about um, being reconciled to Christ, um, being reconciled and turning away from our sins. And so um, we'll pick up there next week, but thank you for your, your attention. <laughs>